Our pastor would do really well on television, wouldn't he? Very good. You know, I, I need to say on behalf of Urban Impact and myself, I want to thank you, Christ Church, for your outstanding support to the ministries of UIF. You have prayed, you have served, and you have given. And I thank you. I thank you very much for your commitment to Jesus and to what you're doing through us at the north side of Pittsburgh. And I just want to highlight one of the areas that you've been giving and serving in, and that highlight is the Lakeside Cafe. Since 2005 until today, the cafe has raised over $165,000. Over 100 people serve once per month as a volunteer. And the Lakeside Cafe has provided fun and fellowship and food for us every Sunday. And that all started years ago when God raised up a wonderful woman. Her name is Jackie Radu. And Jackie has been serving as a leader of that cafe, and hundreds of you have been serving so that that impact could be made. But it all started with one person being raised up. This morning, the title of our sermon is called The Power of One. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you for who you are. I would ask, Lord Jesus, that you would be the preacher that you would speak through me, that you'd forgive me and cleanse me of any sin that would hinder the preaching and the teaching of your word. That you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. That you wouldn't just allow us to hear your word, but we would be obedient to it. For Lord, we ask these things together this morning in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. This morning is not going to be a typical sermon like you've heard me preach or other pastors preach. We're going to do more of a testimony. Testimony, there will be the preaching of God's word, but you are going to hear kids sing. You're going to hear videos with people having testimonies and on and on and on. And it's all for the glory of our God. But let's get started. We're talking about the power of one, and what does the power of one mean? Let's look at us on the screen, and I'm going to ask you to read this with me. And it says... It's not just the power of one person. Let's start that again. You ready? You with me? It's not just the power of one person. It's the power of one person who has surrendered themselves to Jesus Christ. For it is Jesus who has the power to transform people's lives and to take one person and multiply their efforts so that one person becomes many. We have been born again of the Spirit if we know Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God is there to transform us, but not just us. He wants to use us to transform others around us so that we become one and then become many. Let me try to illustrate for you what I'm talking about through a true story. I was sitting down with an urban pastor who was really discouraged, and he looked at me and he said, Ed, the problems on the north side are massive. Do you really believe that we can make a difference? And I looked at my friend and I said, absolutely, absolutely. 
And then I reminded him of a time when I was walking out of my home and God began to put a vision in my heart. And I said, there are times when I get discouraged. There's times when I believe sometimes that the problems are so big that God can't really make a difference. And every time I get into that temptation, every time I'm facing that, I begin to pray. And every time I pray, God reminds me of what he told me years ago when I walked out into the street and my car was missing for the third time and the problems were massive. Four out of five homes were boarded up in my neighborhood. It was a rough place. And he told me then this. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I always am reminded that if I can impact one person and then one family and then one block, we can make a difference in our city. And then I went on to tell him that there is power in one. And that because of Jesus Christ dwelling within us, we have the power to transform the people around us so that we do not stay just one, but that we become many. And I read a story to him, a story that I'm going to read to you this morning, and it encouraged him, and I hope it will encourage you. It's about, a, it's about the power of one. In 1858, a Sunday school teacher Mr. Kimball led a Boston shoe salesman to Christ. His name was D.L. Moody. And Moody became a famous pastor and evangelist and went out on to found Moody Church in Chicago, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Moody Publishers, and Moody Bible Radio that still continues today. D.L. Moody touched millions then and he continues to touch millions of lives now. But in the 1800s, D.L. Moody held a meeting in England, and he awakened the evangelistic zeal of a pastor in a small church. His name was F.B. Meyer, and he went on to become a famous preacher in Europe. And like in our day, we know about Chuck Swindoll or Andy Stanley. They knew about F.B. Meyer in Europe. F.B. Meyer preached on an American college campus and led a student to Christ by the name of J. J. Wilbur Chapman. And Chapman then employed Billy Sunday to do an evangelistic work. And Billy Sunday won hundreds of thousands of people to Christ in his day. And Sunday held meetings in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a group of men were touched. These men brought Mordecai Ham to their town to preach an evangelistic campaign. And in that campaign, a young man named Billy Graham came to Christ. Hear me now. That one Sunday school teacher, Mr. Kimball, was faithful to share with that one Boston shoe salesman. And tens of millions of people have been impacted and continue to be impacted. Tens of millions. There's power in one. One person surrendered to Jesus Christ has the power to become many. You know, the story doesn't end there for us. It doesn't stop there. As I looked at my friend, I said, absolutely, we can make a difference if we'll surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ. But for us at Christ Church, the story didn't end with Billy Graham. Because in 1954, a young man walked into one of Billy Graham's crusades and came to know Jesus Christ in London. He was shipped back here to the United States. He began ministry, and he ended up our pastor right here at Christ Church. For 15 or 16 years, he pastored here, and now we have been impacted. And we've had two large services today because of the faithfulness of, of John Guest. 
But now the baton has been passed to John Panner, and I'm looking forward to what God is going to do that possibly will not only have two services like this, but we could have three or four. And that's what we're expecting and anticipating what God is going to do. But it didn't stop there as well because 11 and a half years ago, Bob Scheidemantle introduced John Guest to me. And we started a partnership to now today. We are not just impacting Swickley. We're ending up impacting thousands of people on the north side of Pittsburgh. And because of that partnership, that's what we're celebrating this morning. We're celebrating it on to the glory of God that I say the things I'm about to say. But as you've watched the choir and you've heard the kids sing and you're going to hear testimonies, they have done that all last year and over 32,000 people they've been in front of ministering to this past year. This past year, in the last two years, really, at Urban Impact Foundation, just talking about children and youth, not talking about adults that we've impacted. We've impacted 1,100 kids on the north side. 269 of them came to Christ two years ago. 245 of them came to Christ last year. That's over 500 people who have come to Christ just in the last two years. Most people would call that a revival. Most people would call that a renewal. And I call it just that. But not only have we served in that way where people are coming to Christ and we're discipling them, but we served over 23,000 meals for two years in a row. That's over 46,000 meals that are given to kids on the north side. As well as this, hear me now, 97% of our students, seniors, who come to one of our programs consistently, 70% of the time, have graduated from high school. 95% of them have gone off to college, trade schools, jobs, and military, and ministry. Just to help you understand the impact that that has made. The impact that our partnership together has made over these past 11 and a half years. Back when Tammy and I moved onto the north side of Pittsburgh, and we moved into that neighborhood that was very high risk, in the first six years of ministry, we were thankful if we saw 40% of our kids graduate from high school. Literally, we were thankful if we saw 10% of them transition out of high school and do anything of significance. What I'm saying to you, the first six years of ministry, we watched 90% of our students go back to the streets. They went back on drugs, entered into crime, ended up in jail or dead. Now we fast forward 26 years later, we're partnering together in the gospel, and now we're seeing 97% of our kids graduating from high school, 95% of them going off to college, trade schools, jobs, and military ministry. That is nothing short of an amazing miracle that God has been doing in the midst of us. To God be the glory, and may he receive all the honor. And it isn't done yet. This past two years, nine, uh, 79% of our students went off to college. We're not asking all of them to go to college. But in the last two years, 79% of them have, and a number of them have come back, and they're running our summer programs now. And as they run the summer programs, the little kids that they're working with on the north side are looking up to them rather than the people in the, in the gangs and the people who are selling drugs. They're seeing those kids, and they want to be like those kids. They want to be someone like them rather than the others because Jesus Christ has transformed their lives and people's lives are being impacted on the north side. We need models. We need heroes. And they're stepping in and stepping up and it's great things that are going on. That's happening right in our midst. 
every week. Many of you come down and volunteer. Many of you are praying. Many of you are stepping in. And God is working. And he is faithful. And he's faithful through you. It's amazing to me. Is that two, year, two years ago, in 2010, Urban Impact was given an award. My wife and I were flown down to Atlanta, Georgia, and we went into a theater called Fox Theater. Hundreds of ministries were represented from 32 countries and 19 states. And Urban Impact won the top award. When I received that award and I stood there before the people, I received it on behalf of Urban Impact, but I also received it on behalf of our partnership in the gospel. And I asked those people back then, I said, why did we receive this award? And this is what they said. Because you don't just run programs. You truly transform people's lives. And we've given you this award because the transformation that you're doing is outstanding. It's international, it's national, and Mr. Glover, you must take your model and you must take it and begin to multiply it, begin to duplicate it in other cities. And if you will look on your brochure, you will see there are four things that we are going to do for vision. And one of those is to develop a training center and develop missionaries and send them not only to Pittsburgh, but other parts of the world as well. Do you know that right here at Christ Church that you've raised up two missionaries out of here that serve at Urban Impact? That means they raise their own support and they live in the community like Tammy and I. And those two young people came out of our youth ministry that Jamie runs. And that ministry and those two kids are now grown people and they're making a tremendous difference on the north side of Pittsburgh. And they are Amanda Wagner and my son, Nathan Glover, that grew up in this church. And I'll say this to us, yes, to God be the glory for that. I'll say this, you, you want to know the health of a church? It's not how many people are in the pew. It's how many people are sent from that church. And I thank God that two out of the 11 people that we have on the north side of Pittsburgh came right out of this congregation. And that model has been recognized, and we're going to take that model, we're going to do things with it that only God can do. But it all started when you and I partnered together. I want you to see three young people who understand the power of one. And they have surrendered themselves to Jesus and they're trying their best to give back to God and to transform people's lives. And I hope as you watch this video that you will be encouraged and inspired in what God is doing. But you'll also begin to believe, honestly, that God can use you to make an urban impact. Let's check out the video together. Despite their circumstances and situations, all those young people have learned that God can use them. In these few moments that I have with you now, I just hope that you will believe that God can use you. Our passage this morning is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That's where we'll be looking together. It's up on the screen. Acts chapter 1, 1, 8 is one of the five mission statements that Jesus gives to his disciples and to us. 
It's something that we are to fulfill. And here in our passage it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want you to notice something there. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Three times he refers to the idea that each and every one of us, when he was talking to that group of people, he was talking to them as a group, for sure. But he was also individually saying that each one of you has the power of one. He's saying, if I dwell within you by my Spirit, you have the power that not only your life will transform but you have the power to transform others, that you will go from one to many. You know what's amazing is the disciples in those days, in the early church, the the first church, believed that. And they went out and they fulfilled the mission that God had given to them. They went to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and the outer parts of the world in their generation. We know within the scriptures it makes it very clear that God sent his son, then he sent his spirit, and now he sends the church. The first generation church got it done in their day. And now the baton, of, of, if you will, of the gospel has been passed from one generation to another, and now it's our time. It's our time to impact our generation with the gospel. You know, when I think of that, I think for a moment, and I want to step away from us at Christ Church and talk about, in general now, the American church. Not every church I'm talking about, but I'm talking about the American church in general for a moment. What I have found is I have gone about and read in history and looked and watched and so on for over 30 years. I've I've been encouraged. I've been encouraged because the local church in America does a fairly good job of reaching their Jerusalem. I'm calling that their communities. Then they've done a fairly good job over the 100 plus years because we've sent out missionaries to hundreds of countries and we've been able to impact those countries around the world. And I am not saying in any way, shape, or form that we need to replace that work because there's so much work that needs to be done in our communities as well as around the world. So I am not saying we replace that at all. We need to keep working. We need to keep generating missionaries and resources and all that we need to do in order to win those people in our communities and around the world. But I am saying this about the American church. Since the 1950s, we've gone to Jerusalem, if you will, and we've jumped over Judea and Samaria and we went to the outer parts of the world. And we've neglected what I'm going to call Judea and Samaria, which I'm saying is our cities in America, for now almost 60 years. And because we have done this, we haven't had any strategy, really. We haven't really developed any real true models or decided to call out people and train them and equip them like we've done for 100 years of people being sent all over the world. We haven't done that very well. I'm not saying it isn't being done in some places. I'm saying, generally speaking, as the American church, we haven't done that. We have skipped over. We have neglected those areas. And we wonder why today in America that the Judeo-Christian ethic is being lost in America. That we wonder why our country is no longer Christian. That we now, the Christian faith, is a minority rather than a majority. 
And the reason I believe that is so is because we've neglected the largest population in, populations in America, and that's our cities. We've had no strategy. We have no understanding of how to do it. Matter of fact, we have abandoned them in many ways and left them there, and now other religions are stepping in and they're seizing the day. And I've been running around for eight years all over wherever I can go telling the American church this one great truth. That if we don't get about doing God's business in our cities, if we don't get about developing strategies and ways to raise people up to go back into those, those cities and support them and put the infrastructure there so that they can survive and make an impact like we've done overseas, we will be in America 25 years from now spiritually and morally brain dead. And if we don't step in and begin to take back to our cities, other religions will and are. And if you don't believe that, just check out Dearborn, Michigan, and find out what's happening in that part of the world. But you as Christ church, now I'm speaking to you. The leadership and the pastors of this church haven't done that like the rest of the churches. They've gone to Jerusalem, that's, your, that's Suikli. They've gone to the outer parts of the world. We've gone to Uganda. We've gone to Caribbean. We've done all these ministries all over the place, but we've also been very intentional of going to Judea and Samaria by partnering with Urban Impact Foundation, and we have even won an award for our international national impact that we have made. We do have a strategy, and our strategy is working, and thousands of people's lives are being transformed because we partnered together, and the people of this church and the leadership of this church had that kind of vision. To God be the glory and the honor. We have an unprecedented opportunity to take the vision and the model that we have done and take it to other cities. Tremendous opportunity before us. In the 26 years that I have been living on the north side, unprecedented opportunity to go not only to businesses, to schools, into the communities, but everywhere you want to go. It's like the Lord is opening up doors for us to go into the city of Pittsburgh. That's unprecedented. Why? Because God desires not that one would perish. Not even one. And that is our mission. Our mission is to go to Jerusalem, to go to Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the world. And I believe that's why this church has been blessed. That's why this church will continue to be blessed. Because your senior pastor has a vision to do all of that in a big way. And I praise God for you as a congregation and for the leadership here. But let me just remind us, though. Now let's get back to the power of one for a moment. But what we need to be reminded of and be careful of is that we need to understand this. We need to understand that there are three temptations that kept the church since the 50s to engage in the city. And they are, the problem's too big and I'm too small. God can't use me and I'm afraid. Let me remind you of this. In the early church, do you think the early church was afraid? Yes, they were absolutely afraid. Rome and their own people were trying to kill them. They were afraid, but they fought their fear, and they put their faith in Jesus Christ, and they stepped out, and they went to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. Being afraid isn't the point. I'm afraid all the time. People say, Pastor, are you? I'm afraid. 
But you fight your fear and you walk in faith and you step out and you see God do miracles. But as long as you sit in the boat, nothing happens. Remember, the only one that saw the miracle that night was Peter when he walked out of the boat. The rest of the guys sat there like boat potatoes and they couldn't tell who Jesus was later. It's only Peter who could talk about who Jesus was because he stepped out of the boat. But he was afraid when he got out into the water. But God used him, and in chapter 16, later on, after that tremendous experience, he's the one that ends up telling Jesus who he is and who he was and who stood in the city of Jerusalem when it was all said and done and shared the gospel on that great day. It was Peter who was scared to death but stood up on the power of the Holy Spirit, and he began to talk about Jesus, and thousands of people came to Christ. You have always been a people of faith and not fear. You have fought your fear, and because of that, we are making impact unprecedented in the 26 years that I've been part of it. Thank you for people who have been people of faith and fought your fear. Second of all is that when we look at this, we say the problem's too big and I'm too small. How about Jesus when he told the disciples, he said, if you can have faith like a mustard seed and you pray, you'll move mountains. How do you move mountains? Let me tell you how you don't move mountains. You don't move mountains with us looking at the mountain and praying that the mountain will move. No, how you move the mountain is you look at the one who can move the mountain, you pray to that one, and that one moves the mountain. Do you understand that? In other words, if you focus on yourself or anything else other than Jesus, it doesn't work, and the problems become huge, and your God becomes small. But when you begin to look at God and focus on it, why do we worship God? Why does God tell us to remind us, remind ourselves of who he is and what he's done? Is it because he's confused about who he is and what he's done? Not at all. He's doing that for you and for me that we will remember who God is and what he's done so that when we look at our problems, our problems become very small in comparison to how great and big our God is. It all comes back to the focus of where you're looking. If you're looking to God, God can do all things. It's not by power nor by might, said the Lord, but by my spirit. And you have the spirit of God dwelling within you as long as you fix upon him. You'll be able to deal with your problems. I've said this to you often. Matter of fact, you can't experience a miracle until you have a problem. Hear me now. You cannot experience a miracle until you have a problem. But if you will look to God rather than your problem and you begin to seek him, he looms big in your mind, in your heart, and you can handle the situation. And God steps in. I thought today I'd pray for all of us that all of us would get problems so we could all experience the miracles. How about that? No, I'm not going to do that because I don't have to because I know many of you already have problems. But you need a miracle. How do you get that miracle? Focus on Jesus Christ. He can deliver you. The last thing is this. That not only is the problems too big and I'm afraid, but God can't use me. Let me slow down for a moment. Look right here, please. Look right here. Nobody look around anywhere. Look right here. I've been here a long time. I know a lot of you. But I'm saying this to you. You've got to stop looking at your failures. And you've got to look at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus sees the potential in you. Stop looking at yourself and look to him. He's got great things for you. Second, you've got to stop looking at your limitations 
And you've got to begin to look at God and he has great possibilities for you. You've got to stop saying that you're too old and God can't use me. Are you breathing still? If you're breathing, God can use you. Listen to me. Lazarus was dead and God still used him. He raised him from the dead. He can use you. And God is asking you today to make a difference and don't quit. Don't cower back. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Get out there. Get it done. Do it for the glory of God. For him be the glory and the honor. And I believe that we will usher in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe America isn't done. I believe that God is going to do a great work in our midst. He's looking for people who are willing to be faithful and available and teachable. And I believe that we're part of that. We're on the team and we're going to be our part in Pittsburgh as well as around the world. Because we've got great leadership. We've got great people. And we have a great God. Amen, amen, and amen. Let me end with this. We're going to give you an opportunity to walk out those doors and to pray for kids. You go to those tables if you want to pray. We're going to give you opportunities. You can go out that door and you can serve. But I want to end with this. Little boy was walking on the beaches in his local community. And there were ten thousands, tens of thousands of starfish on the shore. Many of you have heard this illustration, but hang on, I'm going to end it a little bit differently. But when, you, when this little boy came up to the starfish, he knew that they had to get in the water or they were going to die. So he picked up one by one, started throwing them into the water. An older man came to him and said, young man, look at all these starfish. You can't make a difference. Go home, son. The little boy got really kind of deflated in that moment. And then he looked down. And then he bent down and he picked up one of those starfish. And he hurled it into the ocean as far as he could. And he looked up at that gentleman and he said, it made the difference to that one. Hear me. I believe this is how this story could have ended. That that older gentleman was inspired by that young man and he joined him in the effort and he started picking up those starfish and he began to throw them and then others began to see that they were being faithful and others joined them and then the community joined them until all the starfish were thrown back into the ocean so that they could live and it all started with one person willing to be available teachable and faithful to Jesus Christ. And now we are not just one. We are many. And God is not done. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask to, to you today, I ask that you would do what only you can do. You would help us not to be people of fear, but you would help us to be people of faith. And we will pray, and we will serve, and we will do whatever it takes until you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.